Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the key to the bottomless pit as we pick up in Revelation chapter 20, verse 1. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Under the fifth trumpet, there was a fallen angel that had the key to the bottomless pit, the abuso, and he opened it and released upon the earth a horde of demonic beings. Now the angel comes with the key, and the purpose is not of releasing those in the abuso, but of incarcerating now in the abuso. And so he had a key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand, and he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and he bound him for a thousand years. And so Satan is not put into Gehenna, but he is put into the Abuso with a thousand years. Later he will be put into Gehenna. But at this point, chained and put into the abuso. The various names for Satan, dragon, serpent, that is the one who came to Eve in the garden in the form of a serpent, devil. And the word devil means slanderer or accuser. And Satan, which word means the adversary. And so he is cast into the abuso and he is shut up and they set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled and after that he must be loosed for a little season. Satan at the present time is in control of the world system. Paul the Apostle said that at one time you all walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air that even now is working in the children of disobedience among whom you all once had your manner of living. But he called Satan the prince of this world. Jesus refers to him as such. Satan is in control. He, he, it belongs to him. When Jesus came, he came to redeem the world back to God. Satan offered him a deal. Bow down and worship me and I'll give you the kingdoms of the world and the glory. And Jesus said, it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. But Satan was offering a compromise. He was offering an escape from the cross. But Jesus paid the price and redeemed the world that it might be God's once again. And when he comes, he is coming to claim that which he redeemed, to claim his purchased possession. And so the world is still in Satan's hands, Technically, it now belongs to Jesus. He paid the price to redeem it, but he has not yet taken possession of that which he has purchased, will do that in the near future. 
To me, it is interesting that it has been under Satan's power and control for about 6,000 years. If you go back to the time that Adam disobeyed God, turned the world over to Satan, and was ejected from the garden, that was just about 6,000 years ago. Short, just a few years. And I believe that the Lord's going to allow Satan to have it for 6,000 years. When a man was sold into slavery, he remained a slave for six years. And our period of bondage and slavery to sin is about over. Satan has just about had his time, his run. The day of redemption is at hand. And all creation groans and travails as they wait together for the manifestation of the sons of God to with the redemption of our bodies. So now the time has come. Satan is cast into the abuso during the thousand years that Jesus reigns upon the earth with his church. Satan will be bound. He will not be deceiving the nations. But Jesus will be reigning. His kingdom will be here on earth and his will being done here on earth even as it is in heaven. I saw the thrones and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. So these first thrones that he sees are the thrones upon which the church does sit. Jesus said to the church of Thyatira, To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me on my throne, even as I have sat down at my fa- with my father on his throne. Or was that Laodicea? I think it was Laodicea. And so the promise of sitting on their thrones and judgment given unto them. Know ye not, Paul said, that you're going to judge the angels. So uh, I saw then, secondly, the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads and their right hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. So those martyred saints during the great tribulation period who had faced the Antichrist and had been killed by the Antichrist for the refusal uh, to receive the mark, they too will be numbered with the class who reign with Christ in his reign upon the earth for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead, the unrighteous dead, do not live again until the thousand years are accomplished, for this is the first resurrection. Now, the first resurrection began with Jesus Christ. He is the first fruits of those who rise from the dead. When Jesus rose from the dead, he led the captives from their captivity, those Old Testament saints that were waiting in faith with Abraham for the promises of God to be fulfilled. Jesus went into the prison, preached to those souls in prison, and when he came out, he led them from their captivity. He who has ascended, Paul said, is the, first, is the one who first of all descended in the lower parts of the earth, and when he ascended, he led the captives from their captivity. And he opened the prison to those that were bound. He set the captive free, according to the prophecy in Isaiah 61. That is the beginning of the first resurrection. The first resurrection will be complete when the final person is martyred, who is to be martyred by the Antichrist during the Great Tribulation period. That will make up the group in the first resurrection. Going back to the time of of Adam, Abel, those righteous of the Old Testament who waited in faith for the promise of God on through to the church, on beyond the church, to those martyred saints during the Great Tribulation, all making up the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he 
that has a part in the first resurrection because on them the second death will have no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. And so this millennial reign of Christ in which we will reign with him upon the earth for a thousand years. Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon the earth. A statement of prophecy by Enoch quoted in the book of Jude. Paul said, when Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall we also appear with him in glory. And so coming with his saints to establish his kingdom upon the earth. That's different from the rapture of the church. Then he is coming for his saints. When he comes again in power and glory, he will be coming with his saints. I expect to have a part in both. Now, when the thousand years are over, Satan will be loosed out of his prison. He shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, or the north, east, south, and west. Gog and Magog, names that are synonymous with rebellion against God. We find those names used in Ezekiel to identify Russia as the leader of the rebellion against God's people in the last days. But this is not to be confused with Ezekiel 38 and 39. And he gathers them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. Amazing that after a thousand years of Christ reigning upon the earth and people living in this reign of Christ will be deceived and turn with Satan to try to destroy Jesus Christ again. Multitudes of them, as many as the sand of the sea, that is a numberless multitude. You say, how could that be? I don't know. How can it be that man rebels today? I don't see how a logical, thinking, reasonable man could really set himself against God and rebel against God. I, I don't see how a person can do it, except that Satan has blinded their eyes that they cannot see the truth. And, and they're really blind spiritually. The natural man does not understand the things of the Spirit, neither can he know them. And that's the only explanation I can give. Having eyes to see, they will not see. There are none so blind as those who will not see. And there are people who just say, hey, I don't want to see it. I don't want to hear it. Don't confuse me with the facts. I've made up my mind. You know, just leave me alone. And, and they've just set their mind against it. And, and why and for what purpose, I don't know. Because God only has your good at his heart. God's only interested in what's best for you. Why should you fight that? You're fighting against your own good, your own welfare, your own destiny. And why a person would want to do that, I cannot understand. But such is and shall be the case. Now, these souls that Satan deceives are those who were born during the thousand-year reign of Christ. We will be in our glorified bodies. Now, what all of the capacities of these bodies will be, I don't know. We are now the sons of God. It doth not yet appear what we're going to be. We know that when he appears, we're going to be like him. We'll see him like he, as he is. And, and I'm certain that we're going to have a lot of interesting, marvelous capacities in our new glorified bodies. 
For one, I'm not going to have to get on a stupid 747 to get all the way over to Israel and take 17 hours in the air and arrive there weary, tired with jet lag. I really believe that in my new body, I'll be able to get there just zip in a moment of time. You know, we say, hey, let's cruise over to Jerusalem and see what's going on. You know, poof, we're there, you know. <laughs> I, I think there's going to be a lot of interesting, you know, capacities in the new bodies that the Lord has for us. They're sort of a universal body. That is, they, they're, you know, we say, hey, let's head out to the moon, you know, and see what's happening up there, you know. And, uh, they're adaptable for anywhere. This body is only adaptable for the planet Earth. It's out of the Earth and for the Earth. I'm going to have a new body, which is of the heavens and uh, universal. We've borne the image of the Earth, been earthy, so shall we bear the image of the heavens. So I'm sort of excited about the new body. Boy, I know that it's not going to have gimpy knees and uh, crumbling teeth and uh, fading eyesight. In fact, we'll probably have telescopic type of sight, you know, right through the walls of the houses, you know. And I think we'll have precognition. I think we'll know in advance when someone's planning to do something wrong. So zip, we're right there. We say, eh, 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 no, no, no. And if they persist, then bong, you know, ruling with a rod of iron. Going to be interesting, <laughs> to say the least. So Satan deceives them. Those that have been born during the thousand-year reign of Christ have never really had an opportunity to express their rebellion against God. They've been forced to serve Jesus Christ. They've been forced to live by the laws of God. And man will reveal once and forever the righteousness of God's judgment in ridding the world and the universe of such rebels. The fact that after living for a thousand years in the, the ideal environment of God's kingdom, and at that they rebel. Now, notice Satan is really a, a tool of God and under God's control. When God wants, he can chain him and will, and then release him again for a short time and then incarcerate him forever. But, I mean, he's just serving a purpose of God. But it sort of points up the fallacy that some people so foolishly declare, and that is, hey, God says that all are sinners, so I, by my sin, am only proving that God tells the truth. So how can God judge me for sinning when I'm only proving that he's a true God? <laughs> Such type of reasoning deserves its own judgment. Let us do evil that good might, you know, come, because we're... Sin abounds, grace overflows. Well, then let's go out and sin so, you know, God can show his grace. So the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire, Gehenna, where the beast and the false prophet are, not where they were, not where they were destroyed, not where they were consumed, not where they were annihilated, but where they are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Eonios prosoneonios, from the ages to the ages. It's the Greek word for eternity. 
Is Gehenna then eternal torment and punishment? Is that fair for God? Listen, I'm not going to touch that issue. That's what it says here. Now, you may do what you want with it to explain it or explain it away or whatever. I'm not going to touch it. For over in chapter 22, I read, If any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in the book. If any man adds to the word of this prophecy, God shall add to him the plagues that are written in this book. So, hey, I'm not going to touch it. You do what you want with it, but I just am going to accept it as it is. You say, well, I don't understand that. Well, I don't understand it either, but there it is, and I'm just going to leave it alone. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat out in it, from whose face the earth and the heaven had fled away, there was found no place for them. God's great white throne judgment, of which you've heard so much. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Now, there are several books. There is the book of life. There are mentions of this book of life in the Old Testament and also in the New. The sea gave up the dead which are in it. Now, who are the dead that are in the sea? I don't know. Maybe the sea covers a previous civilization that also rebelled against God. There are indications that Genesis 1 is not original creation except in verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, bara, out of nothing, brought something into existence. And the earth was without form and void. God doesn't create things without form and void as a general rule. On each of the days of creation, God saw that he created. He said, it's good. We are told in Isaiah 48, God did not create the earth wasted and desolate. He created it to be inhabited. The Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters. The word moved in Hebrew is brooded as though in anger. And it would seem that perhaps there was another civilization that existed on the planet earth prior to man in our present form that was destroyed in the wrath and the anger of God covered with water. The earth was then covered with water, the great ice age. Previous civilizations buried. But the sea will give up the dead which are in them. It could be that there is something to the legends of the lost continents, continents of Atlantis. No. Who knows? I don't. But here it is interesting that the sea gives up, and it couldn't just mean those that were you know, buried at sea or those whose ashes were spread out over the sea, because no matter where your body is placed when you die, if, if you are unrighteous, your soul is in hell. So hell will disgorge its inhabitants. Separate from those in the sea, the sea gives up the debiture in it. Death and hell, 
You deliver up the debtor in them. So hell is not eternal. It's not the place of eternal punishment. It will come to an end as it disgorges its inhabitants that they might stand before the great white throne judgment of God. Then, when the sentence is pronounced upon them at that point, they are sent into Gehenna, which is the second death. And that is permanent. So the sea gave up the dead which were in it. Death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Men judged according to their works, their evil works. They said to Jesus one day, what must we do to do the works of God? He said, this is the work of God. Believe on him who he has sent. And who do not do the work of God will be judged then according to their own work. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Revelation on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Revelation 20 when visiting thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you and bless and keep you in His love. May your life in Christ grow, be enriched, and develop more and more day by day, that you might come to that fullness that God would have you to experience, the fullness of his grace and love towards you through Jesus our Lord. So may the Lord bless and keep, strengthen and guide, and give you just a totally beautiful week walking in the Spirit, in the love of Jesus Christ. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. The Word for Today is pleased to present a flash drive of audio Bible studies by Kay Smith, titled, A Collection of Cherished Messages. Just listen to what others are saying. Kay Smith changed my life. Her teachings encouraged me to want more of Jesus. And through her counsel and mentoring, I fell in love with Him in a deeper way. When I first heard Kay, I was driving in my car. 
I was so moved that it brought me to tears because I needed to repent. That moment impacted my life to be a better mom and who I am today. Renew your strength, please. I beg, I beseech, I entreat, and if there's any other word, I do that too. Get in His Word. Make it more than your necessary food every day. Kay Smith has a special place in her heart to teach and encourage women to live for Jesus. To order this flash drive with over 90 audio messages by Kay Smith, visit thewordfortoday.org or call 800-272-9673.